0: the emotionally uncomfortable podcast is going live yes you heard that correct you can come ask your questions and get free live coaching i'm going to be talking about all things attracting profit and parenting which if you've been around for a while Profit equals time flexibility, emotional freedom, and all things money and wealth building. And of course, parenting. Come ask about why your kids do what they do, how to motivate your teens, and how you can become the adults they need. And the cool side effect is you can apply these principles to other relationships in your life, like your marriage, team building, and even your own parents'. Head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash live to check out the next live podcast recording, dates and topics. That's Heather Chauvin, C H A U V I N dot com forward slash live. L I V E. See you there. Hi, Pam. Hi, Heather. Good morning. It's like. Nice and early. We're recording on a Monday morning.
1: Yep. Great way to start the week. I
0: love it. So (laughs) I wanted to have this conversation with you because you've been working with me for a little bit and a lot has kind of transformed in your life. And I always tell people when we do this work everything is connected. And so oftentimes, whatever the area was that kind of like brought us to this work, we start to see like openings in other areas of our life. So I said, we'll see where the conversation goes, but I know parenting was a huge part of this journey for you. And before I hit record, I asked you this question. So I'll ask you again, but do you remember like that version of who you were when you first started doing the work? Because I know you were listening to the podcast for a really long time and there's probably a difference between
1: listening versus like doing the work. Yes, 100%. And like as you were talking, I started to feel like my eyes have like started to tear because I remember the very first time I actually listened to you and on your podcast, it was six years ago. Oh. And my daughter was in sixth grade and I was desperately looking for ways to control her behavior. And not that she was, she was not out of control. It was more like she wasn't thriving the way I thought she might, um, as being an intelligent young woman and going into middle school, she was having, I mean, all sorts of things were happening in her life. And I felt like I just needed to get control. So I listened to some other podcast. I don't remember the one, but you were a guest. And at the end they said, where can you find them? Find Heather. <laughs> and they Mom said, I'm in control. And I'm like, Perfect. I found my, I found my woman. But then at the same time, I was also reading a book and the book was telling, talking about if you want to help your child, you have to help yourself first. And it was literally like the first three chapters of the book and I was getting so pissed off. But then I tuned into your podcast and you asked the question, how do you want to feel? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, she's saying the same thing yeah and who was I at that time? I was in survival mode. I was not thriving. i was I thought I was thriving because I was making money, and I was working at three different school districts, and I was doing all the things. Um, but I was constantly trying to rescue and fix everything for my kids, specifically my daughter. And I wasn't thinking about me at all. I wasn't thinking about me. It's funny because when I started the podcast,
0: I had a mentor at the time and I'm like, I really felt this call to podcast. And <clears throat> she's like, what do these women want? And I'm like, they're mothers and they want to feel in control. She's like, then that's your t- your podcast name. And I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like it. So many people would say, I just, it was mom, control, mom, control. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, but this is what we're feeling that we want to feel feel in control, but control is not a feeling. And it's like a coping strategy. So it's been interesting to kind of rebrand the podcast of like, you got to get emotionally uncomfortable to actually feel in control of your life. So let's talk about the journey. Mm -hmm. So you say, yes, you are first Pam, I'm just going to say you're very coachable. I have kicked your butt one yes. or two times and m- sometimes you don't want to hear it when i say it to you but you do come back and you're like oh oh like your determination to this is the the yin and the yang there's always a shadow side to our like determination as women to help our children thrive right like that's why i do what i do it i started this whole thing because i wanted to help my children thrive And I, along the way, figured out, like, if I'm not thriving, nobody else is going to thrive. But at the same time, it does take a lot of energy and, like, a specific way of leading to advocate for our children when they are not thriving. So I know you mentioned the drama triangle. And that has been a huge part of kind of like the awareness. Can you talk a little bit about that? You just said rescuer. Some people don't even know what a rescuer is and really stepping into the coach mode because I think this is kind of like a like a cultural um, epidemic where people are like, my children can't, my children can't. And I'm like they can, we're just not allowing them to, which is we're creating a next generation of kids that we've swung to the other side of the pendulum where they don't know how to do anything because we're overdoing for them. So how did you begin to kind of like unlearn (laughs) being the rescuer? What is that? How were you showing up like that? And then when you catch yourself, how do you shift into the coach mode?
1: Okay, so I'm going to give you actually a specific couple of specific examples. So my my uh, my daughter is neurodivergent, and she but she doesn't like present that way, right? Anybody who meets her is like, oh my gosh, she's brilliant, and da da. But then there's this ex- executive functioning piece that's not there, um, not not. Uh, she needs help with the executive functioning. So I the way I was rescuing her is I was doing all the things like, and I still see myself doing that, and I catch myself now. So like. Um, Last night, I was out. I had a, all these different appointments all afternoon, and she was coming home from a full week of camping. Now she is 18 years old. Now, I, in my head, was like, it's Super Bowl. How is she going? How are we going to get dinner on the table? I'm not going to be able to be home to do dinner on the table. She's just coming in from camping. I was feeling guilty that I was asking her to make meatballs, which were already made, by the way, it's just she's to put them in the oven. <laughs> and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm like, she's 18. She needs to learn how to cook a meal for herself and for the family. So I left her directions, you know, on like how to, like what, what temperature, you know, like she didn't know the temperature, fine, of the oven. Um, but I kept catching myself thinking I could order DoorDash or I could just order pizza, right? And we'll just do the meatballs tomorrow night. But instead I was like, nope, this is what we're doing. And this is what she's doing. And she did it. And it was great. And I came home and there was dinner in the crock pot and I was like, awesome. Yeah. But when she was younger and even, you know, like I would literally have called DoorDash. I would have just been like, I'm caught dialing it in delivery. Let's make it easy on her. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't want to eat pizza,
0: like, you know. Yes. There's two things that you said, and I remember getting this um, advice from someone because I think we've had similar paths with our children. I know we've had many conversations about this. And when a child is presenting, I don't like the word normal, but neurotypical or whatever, And the executive functioning is not there. You hear from a lot of adults, like teachers, educators, um, they're teaching, they're treating your child as neurotypical as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting advice from someone that was like, you, Heather, your job is to be the executive functioning part of your child's brain. And I was like, yes, and how we have, it's a fine line, right? So if you're like the organizer, you're the planner, you're this, you're this, you create codependency with your child. And if you want your child to become an independent adult, you have to get them emotionally uncomfortable. You have to challenge them to utilize that part of their brain, regardless if it's fully functioning or not. And I think that's where modern parenting really gets us stuck because if we as parents are living in survival mode, like Pam, you're a fucking powerhouse. If you're living in survival mode, you're just like, like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. We have to stop and be like, mm-hmm. how am I showing up here? So you just kind of hinted about it. So you're like, okay, I know I'm feeling guilty, right? I've talked a lot about this. How do you want to mm-hmm. feel? People are like, well, I don't want to feel guilty, but I just feel guilt all the time. Do you find that when you're doing this work, you're actually going to feel more guilt because you're feeling more of the guilt that's inside of you? Like you have to sit with it. And not lead from
1: guilt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, even now having this conversation, I'm like, shit, people are going to listen to this and they're going to hear me talking about my daughter. And, right? And, like, I'm like, should I not be talking about her in this way? Mm. Like, even there. Right? Um, Can I
0: tell you something about that? Yeah, please. So, my boys are, like, I my oldest is 19. And I have... Had even when writing my book, I have, and I get this question all the time like, Heather, how do I tell? I want to keep my children's stories private. Right. How do I respect their privacy, but also honor my story? And I have a lot of conversations with my kids. One, they don't, not that they don't give a shit, but they're like, my friends aren't listening to your podcast. Yes. I don't care. Good point. And also I'm trying to be respectful of like, you know, I'll tell a general story. I'm not getting into the nitty gritty, but sometimes I am pretty vulnerable, but I do tell them, can I share this story? And most of the time they don't give a shit because they're like, nobody's fucking listening to your podcast that I <laughs> care about. So right. we are telling our stories, but we do have to remember when we're telling our story, we are helping another parent who's struggling yes. with the same thing.
1: Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent.
0: And so let's talk about you and your raging people pleaser codependency. Let's <laughs> tell Pam's story then. That sounds great. Yeah. How do you begin? Because you said to me, I didn't even know I was a people pleaser when I started this process. No, um, I actually talk about all the time. I'm like, I don't identify as a people pleaser, but sometimes. I get really uncomfortable because I want to make other people comfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess that is people pleasing.
1: So how did you begin to realize, oh, crap, I'm a people pleaser? I think it was working with you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, just noticing that that one question you always ask, how do you want to feel? You're not asking, how do I think my daughter should feel? Or how do I think my dog should feel? Or how do you think, you know, the neighbor or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I think it it's had, I, I know that it started to, sink in when I was listening to your podcast, but it definitely, I like got it when I started, when I came into your community, and was like, okay, let's go. Right. And so um, I think I've learned from the, I've, I've just, I've just learned from the rinse and repeat. It's not something you learn overnight. I think that's the, point, right? Um, and how did I know I was a people pleaser? It's just like, well, I was putting everybody else's needs and thoughts, needs and feelings ahead of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't feeling, I wasn't I wasn't being true to myself. And I still am sometimes not true to myself, but I, now I can catch myself. Mm-hmm. Now I can say, okay, who whose needs are you meeting right now? And of course, as a mother, you need to meet your children's needs. And, you know, that's part of our job in a lot of ways, but when does it cross the line from being a, like meeting their needs by providing like a refrigerator full of food to like, I don't want to go grocery shopping. So this weekend, husband and son, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing that now. Like that's something I never did before. It was always me going to the grocery store by myself. And we have this giant grocery store near us. And I was like, I'm so lonely in this grocery store. I'm it's packed. Usually, you're in my ear. In my ear. I'm usually listening to your podcast, but this one particular day, I didn't have my AirPods, and I was like, "This is the worst." And I used to love grocery shopping when before I had kids because I would like look at all the ingredients. I don't enjoy it anymore. It's like a task that. So I'm like, this is not bringing me joy, and I felt like there are certain members of my family that needed connection with one another. Mm. So I say to my husband all the time, I'm like, why do we have to spend $10,000 to get on an airplane to go connect with one another? Yeah. Like enough, get in the car, here's the bags, go to the store, mm-hmm. I need, here's the list, right? Like I usually make the list because I want the certain foods. Mm-hmm. And they both come, came home, my son and my husband, and they were like giggling and having fun together. And I'm like, see, like you got... I, and I, and then my daughter and I go, we like alternate weekends. So she and I go and then they go and then we switch kids. And it's like, I guess I'm taught what I'm trying, the story I'm trying to create here is that there's things that we have to do in life, right? As parents, as as humans. And most of it I say to my kids all the time is uncomfortable. Like you don't want to do the things, but you have to get the, the groceries into the house somehow. So how can we do it in a way that's also creating some type of connection? Yeah. So I think you you mentioned something earlier about like this not wanting to feel uncomfortable. We've created a culture of like not wanting to feel uncomfortable. And I think about, you know, we've created this busyness culture where we have to, and I'm not, you know, the, ordering groceries is always like, you know, a super nice convenience. But, and does it have to always be that, right? Can it be... um Just taking an hour out of your day and connecting with your kid and going grocery shopping.
0: A quick word about today's sponsor, AG1. It's important to me that the supplements I take are of the highest quality, and that's why for years I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52, iterations of their formula and quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword, it's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop because it's tested for over 950 contaminants and banned substances, while most of industry standards typically only test for 10. Isn't that crazy? And bonus, my kids love it, especially my teens. Trust AG1 for consistent daily support. Take control of your well-being with AG1. Experience it now and enjoy a complimentary one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 along with five free travel packs with your initial purchase at drinkag1, the number one, dot com forward slash e-u. That's drinkag1.com forward slash e-u. You just brought something, made me think of something. I think people are obsessed with productivity and Mm -hmm. they're like, delegate, delegate, delegate. And I'm like, great. But if that doesn't, there's certain things you're not gonna be able to outsource, right? Especially when you're raising kids, like there's parts where you don't actually wanna outsource certain things. And like, maybe you don't wanna outsource picking up your kids, dropping them off. Like you want the time flexibility to do that. But think about- It's like knowing when to order Instacart and have the groceries delivered to your door versus to create an opportunity for connection. And what I'm hearing you say is it's not that you, you know, some people come in and they're like, oh, I thought you were just going to like magically change my life. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is where the work starts. Like you are like consciously creating your life by design in how you want to feel. So, like you said, how do I want to feel? How can I create this opportunity to create feeling of connection? And whether it's with a child or with yourself, and then, like you said, you go do something and you're like, this is out of alignment for me in this season of my life. How can I switch it up? And so, that's that's what it's always about. Like, I don't have my hat in front of me, um, <laughs> but I'm usually like, wearing my hat and it says, how do you want to feel? And that's for everything. Like, I'm about to talk to my child. You know, they they had a tantrum. Their behaviors were really big. Uh, Something happened and I need to have this uncomfortable conversation. How can I communicate in a way that's in alignment with how I want to feel so that after that conversation, I don't have the shame spiral. I mean, sometimes we still do, but it's like, hey, I can see you're upset. Like, there's ways we can talk that are in alignment with how we want to feel. There's ways that we can hold boundaries that are in alignment with how we want to feel. So, Pam, I know um, some of the conversations that you and I have had, you've had like big triggers in parenting, which we all have. And I have really challenged you. You can tell the story based on your perspective, being respectful of your daughter's story. But the recent one, when, and I know you and I have talked about like educational systems, especially when you are raising um, Mm -hmm. a neurodiverse child. (laughs) And how, essentially, I want to talk to you about the primal fear of parenting or mothering. Like, it is so primal of, like, I am fucking up my children or I am failing. And we get this trigger of, like, I need to act. I need to do something. But it's the deep, deep self-trust of knowing when to intervene and knowing when to, like, stand back. Can you talk about uh, that? Because I think this yes. is a huge learning for you. Yes. This is, like,
1: <laughs> yes. So I'm laughing because of how it all turned out. So there was a situation where one of my kids had not basically done the thing that they were supposed to do. And it was a big thing that, and it was going to actually like change the trajectory of the spring semester, basically. And I'm like, uh, I, I didn't make it about me immediately, right? Like, I well, maybe I did a little bit, but I was like, oh, how do I talk about this without talking about particulars? Okay so as I'm talking to myself right now, I'm saying, how can I, right? That is another thing that you was at. How can I, right? So how can I, this, with the situation with my child started and I was like, I I, got to swoop in and help. I got to, and then I reached out to you and I was like, absolutely in my reddish purple zone. I mean, it was like beyond red. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have done all the things I have Provided all the supports. We have a nice house. We have blah, blah, blah. Like all the things. You're like, I'm exhausted at this I'm done. Yes, yes. Like what? And then you said something to me on Voxer. And you said, you need to give her her human experience. You need to allow our children to have the human experience. Heather, I can't tell you how many people I have said that to in my own personal life since that incident. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, because if I remove that, if I remove all that discomfort, all that shame, all that. So we had a moment where we were going through this whole situation. We didn't know how it was going to turn out. And it literally went on for like a week. Every night we were like doing, she was doing the thing to, to get herself back to where she needed to be to do what she wanted to do. And I kept asking her, How do you want to feel? What do you want? Why are you doing this? Like, not this bad, not the thing. Like, why are you seeking this goal, right? And in order to seek this goal, there are certain things that have to be done. And those things sometimes suck. They're boring. You don't want to blah, 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 whatever. But it's your choice, right? Because ultimately, it's your life. And one night, and I am going to say, we had this conversation and she said, I am so ashamed. I have never felt so ashamed of myself because she didn't do the things she was supposed to do. And I looked at her and I said, I am so proud of you. And she looked back at me. She said, stop telling me that you're proud of me. And I said, no, no, I'm not proud of all the things you chose not to do. I'm proud of the fact that you are feeling the feelings. And my husband's sitting there and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, what? What? And I'm like, you're feeling your feelings, and now you know how you really don't want to feel. Yes. But I could not have gotten her there. I could have. I if I if I swooped, if I swooped in and rescued her, like you were saying before, about this sort of rescue culture that everything has to be like perfect for our kids. We're making it about ourselves. It's not about our kids, and. I had to just like back off. And what I did in that moment, you're asking me before, like, who does Pam, has Pam become? What did I do? I took baths. I went for extra walks. I got a massage. Like I, I went for extra. I added extra boxing classes onto my schedule that week. Mm-hmm. Like, I did things that I would help me move my energy and things that would help me settle my energy, even though. Pam, six years ago, when I first started listening to your podcast, would have been on the phone with every guidance counselor, every professor. Ev- like, I would have been that. And that wouldn't have helped her learn any lessons. Mm-hmm. Well, she would have learned a lesson. What she would have learned is, I can't do this without my mom's help. Yeah. And that's codependency. She would have learned, I need my mom. And I'm not saying she, sh- you know, we. I need my mom is kind of like a t- double-edged sword. Because so- sometimes, you know, it is nice to have somebody to lean on. but the bigger piece is I can't do this without my mom's support. That's not the lesson I wanted her to learn. I wanted her to learn the support that I'm going to provide you is the coaching support, not the rescuing support. And there's yeah. such a, I've learned there's such a huge difference.
0: I have one. I'm really proud of you because it is very uncomfortable to change your identity. And even like you said, I was doubling down on the things that I needed to do to kind of move my energy or emotions. Um you did make a quick comment of my husband being like what the hell is going on? We are often the leaders in the forefront here especially when it comes to emotional intelligence. Um just because of gender, like gender roles, like not even gender roles, expectations, oftentimes it is the mother who is like leading and she's leading the pack and when you change you are literally just creating the like shifting the environment in the home, the ecosystem. And it takes time, but they do start to catch on. And whether it's children or other adults. And so, but there's a deep self-trust in that process of like, 100%. I'm gonna lead, I'm gonna lead first. And I know eventually they will catch up or they will, they will bite on to it. Um, but that whole like we're still there for our children. Like they know we are there, but they know we're not going to do it because we trust that they have the ability to do that. But when they quote unquote fail, fall down, hurt themselves, scrape their knee, um, we have to be okay with that. Like I can feel it right now when I just think of like my kids falling and I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, like I feel it in my body. That reaction is my responsibility. So if I don't have the skill to manage that, I am going to be hyper vigilant. I am going to be psycho. I am going to be controlling beyond. And to be honest, my child is going to do one of two things. They are going to run away from me, which creates disconnect, like a disconnection, or they are going to literally do nothing and be like, my mom, Will wipe my ass and do everything. Yep. So we're taking away their independence. We're taking away their confidence.
1: Um, can I just yeah. inter- can I just interject because yeah, my daughter and I have always been sort of like you know parallel people in this house. And after the whole thing settled, and she was able to do the thing and achieve what she wanted to achieve, even though it was late, it got done. I was laying in bed one night, and she came in and laid next to me. And I'm like, what the I'm like, wait a minute. People can't see me if they're listening to the podcast, but I'm like, what's going on? Like, we have an explicit podcast. You can say it. I know, but she. The like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What's what's going on here? And she was feeling connected to me because we learned to trust one another. I was trusting her, and and like I even had to go through the my, my mind and be like you've said to me before, like this feeling of um, like the the worst is going to happen, right? Like you could also think the best is going to happen, right? And so I had to, in my mind, be like, okay, the worst, what's the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? Both of them right now are false because neither of them have happened. And I've learned that from you, from working with you, from working in your community and being like, okay, I can only handle this present moment and I can only handle myself in this present moment. Yeah. So what do I need and how do I want to feel? And I think that this isn't, I think this is something that we need in in education too, like in classrooms, mm-hmm. right? It's like, we go into classrooms and, and not to like segue into like what I do for work, but I work with yeah, teachers. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, let's talk about this because yeah. I think that's part of the core values that we are aligned with, which is part of your mission as well.
1: Totally, right? So is is providing teachers who teach math specifically, grades K to 8, with the confidence to be able to show up as the teachers they need to be so their students can be who they need to be. And I feel like there's been this push, and it's all well-intentioned over the last decade, to make... Everything super engaging. Make the kids feel like they're comfortable. Make the da 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 da. And I'm like, and the whole point of learning math is not to like be able to solve the quadratic equation. It's to learn how to use the problem-solving part of your brain. Mm. It's a it's like exercising a muscle. And so if we provide all these scaffolds, but one example, I'm working with a child who's in sixth grade and he came to me and he said, I have um, I have this multiplication chart, right? It's like 20 by 20. We all know what a multiplication chart looks like. And I'm like, you're in sixth grade. You're whatever, 12, 13 years old. When you were eight, you knew what three times seven was. Now somebody hands you a paper and says, you're not doing fast enough, just look it up. And I'm like, no, how about you give the kid a minute to remind himself that he knows and that he can trust himself to figure out what three times seven is, just relax. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of a little bit harsh, but- It's like, I just, I see it over and over again in classrooms that I go to where I see teachers say, but I don't think my kids can. So I'm going to provide this scaffolding. Mm. I'm going to, whatever it is. And I'm like, and what are you teaching them about their own identity in that moment? You're teaching them that they need an external support, usually coming from the adult authority figure in the room in order to be successful. You're teaching them not to trust themselves. By doing that. So let's flip the script, right? Let's give them, mm-hmm. that, let's teach them that if they ha- they have to take the action in order for them to believe in themselves. I mean, we, you talked about the belief cycle too in, in your program, but like, we are not going to, you're going to believe in yourself only if you take the action. Like that's where I feel like I am right now. Like I have taken action over action over action and it hasn't been easy. It's been an, an arduous journey, sometimes hellish, but also when I see who I'm becoming and when I, sit in the presence of people who I've been friends with for many, many years. And I see the difference of like, oh, that's where I was, mm-hmm. but this is where I am. And I can be so peaceful and centered in that moment where I'm like literally, literally like my own little island and I can still be there, but I'm like, not, that's not who I am. And I feel like that's where I want teachers to get to. I want to get past the, let's complain about our kids in the teacher's room. Let's complain about what they can't do. It's like, but let's talk about what they can do and let's give them the opportunity to do and then sit back and watch. And I would say 95% of the classrooms that I've stepped into where a teacher is like, I can't, these can't, they can't, they're this, they're that, they're blah, 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 blah. They give me every excuse in the book. Like their home life is this, they're, they're you know, whatever. They didn't have breakfast, whatever the situation is. And I'm like, okay, let's try this. and I. Give the kids a problem that is like something very simple, right? Like the answer is five. What's the question? And the kids are like, ah! and then they just like blow up and they start telling me. And I'm like, and then I look at the teacher. I'm like, look at what, look at what they did. Now they know how to do fractions. She's like, I didn't know they knew how to do fractions. So I like, well, some kid in here told you that four and a half plus one and a half equals five. So somebody in here knows how to do fractions. Mm-hmm. Let's stop thinking that they can't. And I don't know, I'm going on my rant, but I'm just like, I feel like this is all connected to the parenting, to the, you know, we have this child who may have neurodivergence or may have whatever, like stop focusing on what the quote unquote disability is and let's focus on the ability and moving them forward. And I was with a, one last thing I'm going to tell you is I I was with a group of families Yesterday by accident, I was volunteering and I didn't know what I was volunteering for, but I was volunteering for this organization and they're like, you have to sit at this table at this event. I'm like, okay, what's the event? They're like, it's a support group thing. And I'm like, okay, great. I walk in and it is families of children who have autism Mm. and the kids weren't in the room until the very end. And when I watched these families come in, and there was one grandmother, and she was saying, it's not about the disability, it's about the ability on our t-shirt. And I watched her interact with her seven-year-old grandson, and he was sitting in front of me lining up these little toys. And he just kept lining up the toys. And I'm like, look at what he can do. Yeah. Right? And so I just think we have to keep focusing on what we can do for ourselves and for our kids, but for ourselves first. And seeing the children beyond the
0: labels. Seeing our ourselves beyond our labels, our roles, our titles. We get, you know, when you have a group of adults that are like these children cannot. You're you're just setting them up for failure, and I think too often we forget that we are the ones that have influence, and it comes back to our sense of value and worth, which is very triggering because we want to go through, you know, it's like reparenting our little selves, all the cliche stuff, but we want to go through our world pretending we don't matter, that we don't have influence, that we don't have value. And your life is constantly showing you where you have opportunity for growth. Yes. And yeah, it's always like contrast. We're like, not this, this sucks. Oh, I can't. I mean, every day you're going to come into contact with people that are telling you why they can't grow or they're blaming somebody else for the reason why they show up or act the way they do. And I'm like, yeah, that person may have influenced your behavior at one point in your life, but you're a grown ass fucking adult now and you can make a conscious choice. Is it going to be comfortable? No. But as you can see, like you're living proof, Pam, that when you can change your identity and your behavior, you have a different in- impact and influence on those around you. Uh, and welcome, yes. welcome to the club where you are <laughs> swimming upstream and being like, fuck me. Why do I have this desire to change, make such an impact when every- I'm staring at everyone? They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're
1: like, but you can, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for welcoming into this meeting to this club because it is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I know. It's I said that to myself the other day. I'm like, you know, I could just I could I could just do something easier. I know. But but then inside
0: your soul won't allow you to. No, it will not. Mm -hmm. No. No. So Pam, where can people find more of you? If they can see you right now, you have these beautiful blue glasses on, (laughs) which are also aligned with your podcast. So can you let them know?
1: Yes. What's your podcast My so my podcast is called Blue Glasses Math, and it's about how we see ourselves as math learners. So let's shift our perspective. That's why it's the that. glasses. And I also am um, hanging out on Instagram. So the Instagram handle is Blue Glasses Math. Same thing. And I would and love I, to, yeah, go.
0: I was going to say, I always encourage people, like, take away something from this conversation and go
1: send Pam a message on Instagram. Please. Yeah, please do. Yeah. We need to have more people in the math conversation especially those people who don't see themselves as math people.
0: So can I, I want to tell you before I wrap this up, I want to tell you what you gave me in this conversation regarding math. okay. Okay. Look at your eyes, just like, 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 (laughs) so growing up, I, and I've told you this before, but I was, I had a story that I was not intelligent, that I was stupid because my grades were not A++. Like I was not an A++ student, but I had critical thinking skills and I had problem solving skills. And, but those were not, um, they were kind of frowned upon, right? I was the rebel. I would be like, but why do we have to do this? why, why? Why? I will never forget, I had this math teacher, about grade nine, everyone hated him. He was perceived as an asshole, okay? Mm -hmm. But he would make us do real life things like, hey guys, you have to go buy a car, you have to finance the car, you have to figure out all the math, and I remember getting like a 90 in that class. And I was so proud of myself because it was so practical. And he, and even to the point where like everyone in the class was buying like Ferraris and Lamborghinis (laughs) and I bought like a Ford Focus. Okay. Like I was so practical because I'm like critically thinking. I was like, he's not going to like the people that are not being realistic with their finances. So I'm going to pick a cheap car and (laughs) finance that. And I was thinking this in grade nine, but that's problem solving right there. Right. But I was like, everyone else is going to do this. And he physically said it out loud. He's like, whatever car you buy, you also have to make that. Like, you know, he was aligning with your yearly income and all of that. So I'm like, I'm going to be practical. And he loved me because I had the critical thinking skills. I had the people skills. I had the problem solving skills. But beyond that class, I felt so stupid because it was like, what are your grades on paper? And this is the first time I've ever been in front of somebody that was like, teaching math is about critical thinking or problem solving, like developing that skill. First time in my whole life. Really? Yeah. Because typically people are like, when are you going to use algebra? When are you going to do this? Why don't they teach you how to use taxes? Like, you know, how to do taxes. And I'm all about the journey, right? I'm like, I don't care what equation. You have to learn to teach the interpersonal skills because then you can have somebody live independently. Yes. Yeah. That's what I Love it. You gave that to me today. So thank you. Oh, I love it. Awesome. So
1: again, your podcast, just riff it off one last time. Blue Glasses Math and Instagram Blue Glasses Math also.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Heather. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living, but I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable, and it's not always easy. This is why I created the aligned life quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C H A U V I N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes, and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also, on the inside, show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, quiz.